this is March, as the great John Rothstein says, which means two things if you're a college sports fan. For one, it means that the NCAA tournament's coming up soon. March Madness, just a couple weeks away. And so we're going to be talking about some Ohio State basketball once again on this week's show. Uh, It also means spring football is coming up soon. Ohio State just announced on Tuesday that it will be holding its first spring practice on March 19. So Ohio State football, almost back on the field. Ohio State basketball, they're going to make the tournament. They're they're having a little bit of trouble here at the end of a regular season, and we're going to get to that, but they are going to make the tournament. I mean, it actually turns out that Ohio State could play its first game in the NCAA tournament on the same day as Ohio State's first day of spring football practice. So uh, things will be getting a little busy here for Colin and I in a couple weekends. But we'll start out here today by kind of talking about what's happening with this Ohio State basketball team because uh, there was so much optimism about this team. I mean, two weeks ago, and even last week, you know, we had a conversation on here, and I think we both felt still felt pretty good about what we were seeing from Ohio State basketball. You know, we felt like the loss to Michigan, as competitive as Ohio State played Michigan, we still felt like, okay, you know, Ohio State still, you know, looks like a top four team here. And then that was decidedly not the case in these past two games as Ohio State suffered a 71-67 to loss to Michigan State on Thursday and then a 73-57 to loss to Iowa on Sunday, which to me, you know, that game against Iowa in particular on Sunday – was the worst I had seen this Ohio State basketball team look maybe all season or at least since I started paying attention after football season was over. Which is essentially all season for most Ohio State fans because let's be honest, the the basketball season begins in Columbus when the football season ends for a lot of folks. That is correct. You know, it's interesting. I, I feel like every single week we just rock back and forth with this team. It's like, do we think they're real? Like, do we think this is sustainable? How great are they? Can they make the final four? And now it's like some people are sort of out on it and are a little bit disappointed, not really sure where this team goes. And I think that, you know, Dan, I just want your perspective just on someone who, you know, you cover the team, but you're still a little bit from the outside. Like, where do you think, how do you think people should be feeling about this team? Well, you know, the first point that I think is important to make is that you know, I see all the time after Ohio State has lost these last couple games of why are we still talking about a one seed for Ohio State? Or, you know, I see, you know, fans that think Ohio State, you know, now, oh, they're going to be a three at best. Are they going to be a four seed? Ohio State's still right in the thick of this thing. It it, it feels weird, especially if you folk, if you're a college football fan and that's really your main sport, because in a college football season, if you lost three games in a row, that's it. But you know, because of the way college basketball works and because of the games Ohio State still has left playing Illinois on Saturday and then having the Big Ten tournament, there's still a real chance Ohio State could get a number one seed. Now, am I going to predict that Ohio State's going to get a number one seed at this very moment? No, because that's not the way Ohio State has played the last couple weeks, uh, the last couple games, I should say. Uh, and, you know, I do, I do wonder right now about this team you know, is this, you know, the annual slide we've seen from Chris Holtman's team where this team just goes on a, you know, a cold streak for several weeks and if, if that can't happen, but this is a time of year that cannot happen. 
I also think if this team can bounce back, I'm not sure that anything has really changed in terms of what this team has can accomplish. But, you know, I, I, I think the big thing to understand, like if you're a, a fan of, of Ohio State basketball is, yeah, the last couple games have not been great, but there's still a chance that this team could be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. This team is still in the thick of that conversation. And, and that might honestly say more about the rest of college basketball than it does about Ohio State, because I think right now there's three teams that are clearly the class of college basketball and those are Gonzaga, Michigan, and Baylor. And then after that, when you look at the resumes of other teams, there's a pretty big gap. And, you know, there's other teams, you know, I mean, some of them are playing in between the time we record uh, this podcast and the time it's going to be published. So I don't want to get too deep in the weeds talking about Illinois and West Virginia and teams like that. But, you know, there's kind of a bunch of teams that are kind of close together there. And it's really going to depend on, you know, how these next two weeks go, whether Ohio State could go anywhere, in my opinion, from being as high as the, the fourth one seed to being somewhere on the free seed line. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, they're they're not competing for a Big Ten title, yet they're still one of the, you know, five to eight best teams in the country nationally. At least that's what every metric, every analyst pretty much says. Um, and, and I think that that's sort of accurate. You know, their highs have been pretty high. Like when you go on the road and beat Iowa, when you go on the road and beat Illinois, uh, when you get a, when you, when you beat Wisconsin, like these are some, these are really good wins. And at the same time, I do think it's fair to look at these last three game stretch and sort of blow it up and see, you know, what, what's going wrong right now. And I think, I think there are a few things like one, we can't just like look at the competition and um, we can't just disregard the competition. Like they played a Michigan team that might be the second best team in college basketball. And they played them to the point where you can point out one specific play, the justice suing turnover behind the back pass that if that didn't happen, maybe Ohio State even wins. Like that's a conceivable thought. And the fact that Ohio State played them that close. And as we record this on a Tuesday, like that was nine days ago. Like, I don't think that we can forget that that happened. At the same time, you know, there's the Thursday game against Michigan State and, the, and then the Sunday game against Iowa. And I think that the things that are a little bit troubling to me in those are the fact that we didn't see the offense that has been so great the entire season play nearly as well as it has. I mean, that Iowa game, Iowa is clearly not a great defensive team. And at the same time, the Buckeyes scored 57 points. I mean, you can go into the numbers deeper than that, but you don't even really need to. Like if you're scoring 57 against Iowa, that's that's sort of self-explanatory. I think, you know, when I look into why that has happened, I think it's really tough to figure out right now. And I almost feel like it's too small of a sample size when you consider that one, like the Michigan State game was so weird and that if certain calls had not gone Michigan State's way, like Ohio State easily could have won that game. So I don't know how mad you can – get at that game. Um, but when you pair the offensive effort in that game combined with the, with, with the game against Iowa, you know, it does make one wonder. And, and that's where my question is. And, and I think going into Saturday, this is what I'm going to be looking for is like, will the six, will the, will the six day layoff between games help? Because I do wonder about the, the condition of this team and the health of this team. When you look at the fact that, you know, 
EJ Liddell and, and Dwayne Washington have been been healthy this season, but you have CJ Walker dealing with torn ligaments in his hand. You have Justice Sewing, who now has a groin injury. You have Seth Towns, who's been hobbled all year. You have Kyle Young, who's dealt with a concussion and then also lower leg pain. Uh, Musa Jallo is dealing with a sprained ankle. Obviously, Jimmy Sotos is out for the year. Like that is a lot. That is a lot for one team to deal with right now. And I think that the the question for me is. How worried should you be? And I don't know that we have an answer right now. You you made the point, you know, a few weeks ago. You wrote about how, you know, if this team was going to earn a number one seed, yeah, you know, they were they were damn sure going to have earned it. I mean, you, you know, I think you warned people this was going to be a tough stretch here to end the season, and and I think uh, we're seeing that now. I don't think we ever should have been shocked to think that a few losses might happen down the stretch here for Ohio State. So I think you know you made the point about the competition. I think that's important to say. I mean, even Michigan State, you have an unranked team. Michigan State had just beaten Illinois at home two days before. This is a team. I mean, Tom Izzo always seems to get his teams uh, peaking at the right time in March. So I think you had to know that was a game that was going to be tougher than it might look on paper. So in terms of looking at like the opponents they lost to, there isn't one of those games where I look at and go, wow, you know, that in itself is a really bad loss for Ohio state. And, you know, to your point about the Michigan state game, I think if we had been recording this podcast on Friday, we probably would have been talking more about the officiating in that game, because uh, I think, you know, we've talked off air about how we are not big uh, criticizing ref people, but uh, even we both agreed in that game that the, the officiating left something to be desired. At the very least. I mean, that was one of, (laughs) that was, that was one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen. Um, and, it, and it did feel, even though the fouls were, there were 42 total fouls, which is nuts, 21 on each team, which is even. And at the same time, it felt like a little bit at times, Michigan State got the benefit of the doubt on some of those. But I think, you know, to dig into the offensive issues just a little bit, I think it's interesting because this is a team that to me, like a lot of it's just, they've really thrived on some incredible shot making. Um, and that's from Dwayne Washington, EJ Liddell in particular, because, you know, those guys are really, really good offensive players. And at the same time, like Dwayne, Dwayne had a stretch there for five or six games where it's like Dwayne sort of looked like an NBA player almost. You sort of at the same time knew he might come back to earth a little bit because he's he's a guy that relies on really difficult shots. And EJ Liddell is the same way. I mean, he's implementing a three point shot into his game in the middle of the season. He's someone who shoots a lot of mid range shots. Uh, he he's an undersized guy in the post. Um, a lot of that's just really difficult to, to manage. And then when you look at, you know, guys like Justin Arns, who really hasn't been able to get shots off the way he did earlier in the season um, and, and Seth Towns the same way. And then Kyle Young, I think that, you know, his inability to, to be physically the kind of guy that he wants to be right now is, has hurt Ohio state a little bit. I just think that that makes it hard um, on, on, on an Ohio State team that I don't really know has a ton of margin for error when you consider um, when you consider the health of the team and also the defensive shortcomings that are just sort of natural. Like they're never going to win a, a, a 63 to 62 game in the tournament. They might win an 85 to 84 game in the tournament, but but those are the kind of games that they're going to have to play. And when the offense um, is playing like it has in the last two games, I think that that's the tough thing when you look towards the tournaments and project like, can they win four games in a row, three games in a row? Like how how far can can an offense that really has to make 
difficult shots, take them. And, and I think that that's the part that's challenging when you're predicting what this Ohio State team will do in the tournament. I made the point on last week's show that I thought one thing that would make this team susceptible to being upset in March was the fact that it did have those defensive issues and that if this team has a bad day on offense, it's probably going to be a bad day in general for his Buckeyes. And I think we saw that on, on Sunday where, you know, the offense just wasn't at a level close to what we've seen from this team most of the season. And if that happens, this team is not even going to be able to be competitive because it's just not built to grind out a defensive kind of game. And granted, Iowa is one of the best offensive teams in the country, but even, even Iowa in that game, Iowa's offense looked better the previous time they played them too. It wasn't like Iowa's offense was like at its best in that game. It was just a matter of Ohio state's offense wasn't able to get anything going uh, to, 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 you know, I think they had one little stretch there at the start of the second half where they cut it down uh, to, to two, two points lead. And then if, if, what was the stat? It was something like 15 points they scored the rest of the game. I think it was 15 points in the last 16 minutes. And then if you look even, even deeper into that, Last ten minutes of the game, they scored. They they scored. They made one shot from the field. I mean, they they, they hit some free throws, but one shot from the field in ten minutes. When you're a home team trying to come back against an Iowa team that is not super strong defensively, uh, it's it, it's obviously not going to cut it. And I think the point was made at the end of the game on on Thursday. Uh, I think you retweeted a tweet by Kyle Rowland that made the point of how they only had one made shot in the last four minutes and whatever against Michigan state. And most of the responses from Ohio state fans were basically shut the hell up. The officials were the reason why Ohio state lost this game. But then you see what happens on Sunday and you go, well, you know, this is why this point was being made on Thursday because we've now seen two games in a row here where down the stretch of a game, Ohio state has not been able to make shots. And if that happens in March, you're going to get sent home. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, I, I do, I think it's hard to evaluate where this team is right now. And I, and part of that really is because, I mean, it's really two things. It's, it's the schedule um, when you're comparing them against Michigan, uh, a Michigan state team that really became frisky all of a sudden um, an Iowa team that's top 10 in the country. And, and then Illinois on Saturday, I think that's really hard to evaluate where Ohio state is when they're going to play that while also being really banged up. Like, I think this is my number one thing. And it's, it's, it's hard to talk about because to be quite honest, like it's sort of boring. Like it's like, can they get healthy? Like, I don't know how many times that we can say that and be interesting because it's not that interesting yet at the same time, if you're going to play Kyle young 30 plus minutes a night, like you need a really good version of Kyle young. And if Kyle young can't go like this team's in some trouble because I really like Zed key. I really like what Zed key offers. Zed key's a fun guy. Um, he is someone who, if he hip checked me, I probably would be in a wheelchair the rest of my life. Um, just the, the the way he moves his body, I just I feel like that's a fair assumption. Yet at the same time, like he makes some mistakes that you just see freshman big man make. And and to be quite honest, like I haven't been at all of the games this year, but I've been at the last couple games at at the Schottenstein Center, um, and it's pretty evident that a lot of the time Zed keys in. Chris Holtman's yelling at him because he was maybe late on something. There were some details that he that, that he messed up on. And even, you know, in the post-game press conference after Iowa, 
you know, Chris Holtman referred to him not by name, but he said, you know, some of the issues with defending Luca Garza were some of our younger guys weren't as detailed as, as we needed them to be. And there's only one younger guy who was guarding him and his name was Zed Key. So that's who he was talking about. So I think that that's the tough thing with this team when you're projecting them is how much of that was health-based and how much of that is just like some, some deeper issues that, that this team has, has, has sort of seen late in the season. Colin, I can't believe you didn't go to every basketball game this year. I know. That's on me. Shout out to the folks who do. But uh, to, to, to your actual point, you know, I, I think that's it's very true that, you know, this team, you know, I think we've seen here over the last few weeks uh, or the last week, maybe more accurately, we kind of seen uh, the impact of, you know, this, this tough stretch that they've had to play, having to play so many good opponents in a row, so many big 10 games in a row you start to see the toll that that takes as you get toward the end of the season. And, you know, I think the one bit of good news here is, you know, between whenever you play your first game in the Big Ten tournament, which might be a day earlier than we expected now, because right now Purdue's in that four spot, which means uh, if Ohio State ends up in the five spot, Ohio State would not get that double buy that they would surely like to have. But at least, you know, until you play that first game, you've only got one more game in between that with Illinois. So that's a little bit more time for guys to rest, uh, to hopefully get a little bit healthy here. But, you know, I think the question a lot of us have right now is we've seen Chris Holtman's teams. It seems like every year that there, there's a month or so where things just fall apart for this team. In your opinion, Colin, do you think there's a chance that this is what's happening here? Or do you think this team is going to bounce back? I'm glad you brought that up because I think that I do think that that's a common thing that I've seen. And I just, I just don't buy it. I I don't. I mean, if you look at these last three games, what have made you think like, this is a real issue within the team that, you know, is, is, is something that we've seen before it's going to carry on. And like, this is part of Chris Holtman's team's identity. I just don't see that. Like they came out in the Michigan game and competed really, really hard. Um, and sure, they didn't have a great game defensively, but that's like most of the season. That wasn't any different. They were awesome offensively. It just so happens Michigan's one of the best teams in college basketball, and they made an error down the stretch that that really cost them. Um, and the Michigan State game, while that was difficult, um, one, they didn't have Kyle Young in what was one of their most physical games of the year. And also, like the refs played a fairly decent role in that game um I think the the Iowa game if you want to point to that like I think that that was probably their worst performance of the season when all things considered it it seemed like one they didn't come out of the gates with a ton of energy um and Chris Holtman admitted that after the game and two they didn't close the game very well and I think that if you put that together like to me that's their worst performance of the season at the same time like that's one that's one really bad performance to me I don't think that this is this is a really bad stretch now they come out Saturday and they get beat by 25 um, against Illinois on their home court going into the postseason. Yeah, I'll have a different read on it then. But but to me, I just think that that's that's sort of a mischaracterization of what has happened, uh, in, in my opinion. I'm with you. I, I don't think it's time to hit the panic button on this team as I think some fans are. I I, I really don't. Um, now I don't I think know. You what... should be cautious. Yeah, I, I think you should be cautious because I think the offensive issues to me are 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 a little bit concerning, especially when you consider 
the lack of margin for error. But if you're hitting the panic button and if you're saying this, I, I don't really see what happens to this team going forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the point I think the point that I'm trying to make here <laughs> is there's a difference between there's a there's a huge middle ground between saying Ohio State is going to win the national championship and a comment I saw on Twitter this weekend of Ohio State has won its last game of a year. Okay, I, 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 folks. I don't think either of those things is going to happen. Okay, I mean, I, you know, we, we've talked a lot about it. I've kind of hovered around like a lead eight is like what I think uh, is a reasonable expectation for this team, and that's kind of still where I'm at. Like, you know, this, you know, when we talk about like, oh, is this team going to choke down the stretch like the panic button people have? I, I would say this. I, I think the baseline expectation for this team no matter what happens here in the next couple of weeks is getting to the sweet 16, making the second weekend of a tournament. I think that's what the expectation should have been going into the season. And I think it's what it should be now because to, to, to have demonstrable progress as a program to, to, to show that things are going in the right direction, you've got to get further than you've gotten in the past. And Ohio state hasn't gotten to the second weekend of a tournament yet. So to me, if Ohio state, does that if it gets to the sweet 16 which i think it should because it's going to be a top three seed it's going to be favored in those first two games if that doesn't happen then that would be a big disappointment i look at the elite eight and i say i think that's a reasonable expectation for this team i think they're gonna have to win a tough game in the sweet 16 to make that happen and i so i think if they if they get to the Elite Eight, regardless of whether they're a one, two, three seed, whatever, then I, I think that would be an accomplishment for this team. I think if if you get to the Elite Eight, then you know w- when we're at the end of this thing, if that's where it ends for Ohio State, we'll be able to say this was a successful season for Ohio State basketball. This was a clear step in the right direction for Ohio State basketball. I think the Final Four, to me, it's still not out of reach for this team but it is a reach, you know, it, it, it is a reach right now. As we sit here on this Tuesday, would I pick Ohio state to make the final four based on what I've seen the last few games? I would not, but that doesn't mean that I don't think it's capable of doing it. It's just, it goes back to a lot of what we said here before that Ohio state's offense can't have a bad day. Once you, once you get into that tournament, because all it takes is one bad day and, and that's the end of your season. And I just don't think, you know, you know, it could, it's offense can have an off day, most likely in a two fifteen game or a three fourteen game. But once you get into, you know, the second, third round of a tournament, you are going to have to be clicking offensively because this team hasn't shown that it's capable of being better than average at best defensively. All right, let's rapid fire this one real quick. Outside of EJ Liddell and Dwayne Washington, and I, I sent this to Kevin for a poll question, so I think some people took the poll on on the website on Tuesday. But outside of those two, who who has to step up to be the most successful? Who are the two guys who you would pick? Well, I, I voted on a poll for Justice Suing, and I think that to me that's number one. I mean, to me, he's the guy that he's supposed to be a top three scorer on this team. I mean, I think he is, but he hasn't he hasn't been nearly as consistent as. EJ he, hasn't he hasn't been reliable. Point. I mean, he that's, has, that's the issue. He hasn't been. And I think they need him to be. I think to make a deep run in March, he needs to be a consistent double digits per game score. 
and, and he hasn't been that. So uh, to me, you know, he, he's number one, you know, and then, you know, number, number two, uh, I mean, I could go a lot of different ways with that one, but pick someone other than the guy I'm going to pick because I, we can't agree on this. I don't, well, I don't know, know who you're going to pick, but you know, I know, I'll, but I'll, yeah, you I'll do. Go, I bet I'll, I'll say Kyle young because ah! <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I'll say Kyle young because I think, you know, we have seen here these last couple games, him not being healthy has had an impact on Ohio state, you know, especially on that, you know, at defensive end, I think he's, you know, one of the only guys that you really would look at on this team and say, that's a guy who's a, a really good defensive player. And I think that, I think he's a guy, you know, he's a guy, I think we've kind of seen this every year with Kyle, that unfortunately he hasn't been able to stay fully healthy. And so I think you're kind of at a juncture now where you don't know exactly what we're going to get out of Kyle Young here for the rest of the season. But I think if he's not able to be at his best in March, that is going to really have a negative impact on Ohio State. Yep. No, those were my two guys. I was hoping that you pick someone else, but but I but I Sorry. figured you might trend towards those. I mean, I mean, Justice has been an enigma to me because my my thing with Justice is just pretty simple. If you're going to play him 35 a night, you can't be this bad. You just can't. I mean, and that's the issue is you know if you if you look at the other guys who sort of play his position, you know, Justin Arns has, has struggled to to get a shot off recently, and he's not someone who you know is 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 going to be great defensively either. Musa Jallo is really good defensively. He's unbelievable defensively. And at the same time, he's oftentimes a net minus offensively. So Justice, to me, should be the guy who who you can rely on to, to play 30-plus minutes a night at, at, at the forward spot. And he just – he hasn't been reliable. I mean, he, he's been – it's unbelievable how athletic he is compared to how athletic he plays. He doesn't really play like an athlete oftentimes, but he is really athletic. And I think that we've seen it in spurts. You know, he recorded, I think, three double-doubles. And if I remember off the top of my head, I think in, in the span of six games. And then came the the turnover uh, against Michigan, and he hasn't really looked great ever since. And, I, you know, he's the one guy I'd point to, because if you're going to play in 35 a night, he's got to be a net positive on one end of the court. And, yeah, I mean, Kyle Young, it's just like, how healthy is he? How healthy can he get? Because if you're going to, if the identity of this team is physicality, you're going to need your most physical guy out there. And, and that's what I think he often is. And the other guys, I think I'll mention real quick. Like, I feel like at this point, it's just like, we know what CJ Walker is. And right now CJ Walker is pretty good. CJ Walker is pretty good. I think he's taken a lot of crap over the years because he's not a Cassius Winston. Like he's not a first team, all big 10 point guard, but he's really solid. Um, and I think that, that he deserves some props for that. I also think Zed key, you know, I don't know how many minutes he'll get. I think it'll be matchup dependent when we get to tournament play. Um, but he's someone who, in his 10 to 12 minutes, he's just got to come in, be really physical, and, and play as smart as he can. Because I think that that's the thing, is sometimes he's, he doesn't play as smart as he probably can on, on both ends of the court, whether that be um, – I mean, some of that's just sort of his physical limitations. Like, he's a little bit more plotting than, than, than the other guys in Ohio state's roster in some defensive instances, like that's just a little bit difficult, but um, I think his 10 to 12 minutes in the right matchup, you know, those are, those are really, really important. And we saw it in the first Iowa game, you know, when he came off the bench against Luka Garza, it was, it was unbelievable seeing, seeing how well he, he, he played right away. And I think he struggled maybe a little bit recently. And maybe that's just the fact that I heard Chris Holman yell at him every single second that he was in the game. <laughs> uh, the last time I, I saw him play live. Um, but, but he's someone who I look to. Yeah. To your point about CJ Walker, I think CJ Walker has been Ohio state's third best player, 
but I think Ohio State needs Justice Suing to be its third best player, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think also it can win with Kyle Young as its third best player. But I also I, I think one of those two guys, probably you're right, has to be that kind of guy. And I honestly I think it's a really good point because like those guys have been they just haven't been themselves lately. And when I think that the 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 great thing about Ohio State's offense for a large part of the season is you didn't really know which guy was gonna show up from an from a night to night basis. Maybe it's Kyle Young dropping 18 points, or maybe it's just a ceiling with 16, um, or maybe it's just an orange with 12. Um, and, and if you're going to tighten the rotation, you need some more consistency out of, out of those two guys, Kyle, Kyle Young and, and Justice Suing. As promised, we want to get into some football talk here on Real Pod Wednesdays as well. Uh, we'll have uh, free shows be- between now and the start of spring ball. So we'll kind of hit on some different points here in each of the next few weeks as we kind of look ahead uh, to the start of uh, in what, in my opinion, is one of the most important springs Ohio State has ever had because y- you look at what happened last year with only having free spring practices, with having such a disjointed offseason, with only having five regular season games. I mean, first things first, you've got to get a lot of young players reps this spring it's really really important because you've got to make up for lost time and you've got a lot of guys who you're going to be counting on to play this fall who really haven't played a lot of football for Ohio State so I think you know that's the number one thing obviously you've got to get your quarterback situation figured out and that makes this a really important spring because you know in terms of this quarterback competition I mean this isn't you know you think of like Dwayne Haskins versus Joe Burrow a few years ago, like that was a competition, but, but this is a whole nother level because these are three guys who have never thrown a single pass for Ohio state. So there is a ton to evaluate with those guys, a lot of development that needs to take place with those guys so that you can feel good about where you're at at the quarterback position going into the fall. And then the defense, of course, I mean, that's going to be one of the big topics of the spring as well, because of the issues that Ohio State had on that side of the ball last year. I mean, I think it's a combination of both scheme and personnel where I think Ohio State does need to make some changes to its defensive scheme. And I think this spring is, you know, a time that Kerry Combs did not have to install things last year that Ohio State needs to take advantage of this year. And I think Ohio State just needs some new stars to step up on defense because I think we saw last year, there was no Chase Young. There was no Jeff Okuda in terms of dominant players on Ohio State's defense. And now you take away Tommy Togiai, you take away Pete Werner, you take away uh, Jonathan Cooper, you, you take away you know Tuff Borland and Sean Wade and Justin Hilliard and Baron Browning. There's even more talent that you've got to replace off that side of the ball. So like those are the three things that really stand out to me is like those are things Ohio State has got to accomplish this spring if it's going to have a chance to be a championship contender in the fall. I love your take that it's the most important spring in a while, because I think it, I I really do think it's true. There's just a lot going on and a lot that we just don't really know. And that's why we're, how disappointed were you that it's not until the date that it is. So is it March 19th, right? That that they start. Yeah. March 19. Yeah. I mean, I I had, I had heard. Isn't Clemson, hasn't Clemson already started? Yeah. Clemson started last week. Um, so yeah, I mean, I had, I had heard a few days ago that it, it could actually start as soon as next week. So, uh, I wasn't sure if that was actually going to happen, but, uh, I had heard that was a possibility. So, 
I, I didn't know. I thought, you know, by next week we might be talking about actual spring football. We're going to still have to wait a couple more weeks. Uh, so uh, it is, it is what it is, but good to know that it's at least on the schedule. Good to know that uh, things are at least moving toward uh, a normal spring at this point and a spring game that uh, Ohio state, you know, has, they haven't, they still kind of leaving it open-ended. Like there's not a 100% chance that the spring game is actually going to happen on April 17, but they're saying they're holding that date. So I ex- fully expect there to be a spring game on April 17, uh, whether fans will be in attendance for that. We do not know yet, but uh, the plan is to have a spring game in, in Ohio stadium on April 17. If not, we'll just draft some fantasy rosters, run it through some sort of online simulator and, and grab some results that way. We will. Or we may, will. yeah, I mean, we'll throw it on NCAA 14. I know Kevin, Kevin Harris, our, our colleague still plays that. Yeah. Got to, got to do something. So I had the grand idea since I, you know, I thought that we were going to get a chance to actually really dive deep into what we were looking forward to this spring, what to expect, some position battles, maybe a depth chart reset as we went into the spring. And then the fact that it's not until March 19th, it's like, maybe we can wait until, maybe we can wait until next week or something to do that. But I wanted to, I feel like, I feel like I just wanted to combine all different um, podcasts top or podcast segments that everybody does into one and say, let's just draft a Mount Rushmore of players that we are intrigued to, to watch presumably when we get there all 22 for all of their practices during the spring. Because Um, that's something that will surely give to us. Yeah. They will definitely give all of this film to us um, in, in this hypothetical world. Um, So I figured that we would just draft some players and that way we can just talk about some of the guys that we're a little interested to see now that I wanted to see some of them next week, but now we'll have to wait a couple more weeks. All right. So how are we doing this? Are we doing, you're taking the first pick. Are we just going back and forth? We're going back and forth. It's okay. We don't need to snake it. All right. Or maybe, maybe we should just go auction style. That sounds too confusing. Let's just, (laughs) yeah, no, I I don't, I'm not actually suggesting that, but that would be a wild way to do this draft. All right. Well then, well, number one, I mean, I got to go CJ Stroud because I mean, he, he, he's the guy that, you know, is getting hyped up. I mean, you see the comments on Instagram about from his teammates about how it's his turn now. And it, it sure seems like there's a lot of excitement about this guy as Ohio state's next potential starting quarterback. And, you know, we, we could probably draft all three quarterbacks on here. We'll see if we actually do, but he's the guy that, you know, seems to be the one with the most expectations going into the spring of this is the guy who could win the competition. This is the guy who could be the first out on the field on September two at Minnesota. So uh, to me, you know, he, he's the number one guy. Uh, if I get that film from spring practice, that, that my eyes are going to go to uh, right away and, and watch everything he does because uh, first things first, if Ohio State's going to be a championship contender this season, uh, it's got to find its next Justin Fields. It's got to find uh, its next starting quarterback. And he seems to be the guy right now who's a slight favorite going into the spring to win the job. To be fair, if you're looking for the next Justin Fields, you might be looking for a long time. Might but be. I get your point. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, CJ's the kind of guy where it's, you know, all of the signs point to him being the real deal. And yet I haven't seen it with my two eyes. So if I, I, that's the thing that's so fascinating about him is like, why is everybody so excited about him? Like I get his recruiting ranking. I, you know, I know that you're going to publish a story about him. I think on Wednesday, by the time this, this goes up, there'll be a good story about you on, on 11 warriors, but um, I still haven't seen it. 
know, he hasn't thrown a pass in college yet. We haven't actually seen it yet. So the, the, my favorite thing about the spring is like the moment we actually see this, the, the ball come out of these Corbett's hands, every single second of it is going to be analyzed by yep. everybody because that's all we are going to have until fall camp. Those, those passes that they throw in the spring game are going to be the most analyzed spring game passes ever. Since what was that? Didn't, didn't Justin Fields have a 98 yard touchdown or something like that in the spring game a couple he years did, ago? Yeah, to uh, Ben Victor. Yeah, what a legendary play! All right, so I, I give the I give this uh, pick a lot of thought, and you know I think the one guy I'm trending toward picking, I think I'm going to go with Lathan Ransom because it's almost less to do with with how he is playing and more so where is he? Like, how is he going to be used? Is he going to be a second safety? Is he going to be some sort of a slot cornerback? Is he going to be a nickelback? I don't really know. All I know is they really like him. He's going to get an opportunity to to, to start this season um, if he can win the job in, in the spring and the offseason. Like they're going to give him every opportunity to 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 wedge his way in there somewhere. And just the 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 kind of signs that he showed as a freshman are the kind of signs that Ohio State players typically show when they're going to be impact players at Ohio state. And then that to me is why I'm fascinated seeing him going into what will be his first spring practices. All right. I'm going to steal a player who I'm sure is on Collins board here, but this guy has been hyped up as a future Outland trophy winner at Ohio state as a tackle, but now he's probably going to be playing guard this year. I got to go with Paris Johnson because I am intrigued to see what Paris Johnson can be as a guard because I've always thought of him as a future left tackle at Ohio State. But guard's a different position. Can he can he be an elite guard? It's not necessarily the position I've envisioned him playing. As talented as he is, I'm guessing that he is going to win a starting job, and I'm guessing that he is going to do really well. But I've never seen him play guard other than about 10 snaps in a couple games. So I'm really intrigued that when he's actually – at that position on a full-time basis, what he looks like. Yeah, he's a great pick, and he was definitely going to be one of mine. I think – so there's a lot that's interesting about Paris Johnson. Like maybe my number one thing is the fact that you use the word probably to say that he's probably a guard because there's like this 5% part of me that's like, are we going to see the first spring practice and he's there at right tackle and Nick petit Frere's at guard or something? Um, I don't know that I would predict that to happen. But if he's that kind of tackle, maybe it's something you consider if you're Ohio State. Um, and, and, you know, like we didn't know, I think, I, if I'm remembering correctly, we didn't know going into the first spring practice that Gary Wilson was going to be a slot guy. Like that's the kind of move that all of a sudden you walk in there and it's like, oh, oh, now I watch a practice. Now it makes a lot of sense why they made this move. Like, I don't know. These are the kinds of things that are difficult to project. But the one thing I do know about Paris is the hype train has left the station. So now I want to see it. You mean now you you it. sent it out of a station? I tried like two years everybody ago everybody on this up. podcast yeah. when you said he was going to be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. <laughs> that was aggressive at the time, and thankfully, uh, the hype train is is headed that direction. But we're just still at the very beginning of it. All right, my number two pick. You know, I don't think this guy was probably on your board, but um, my guy's going to be Dewan Jones because. I feel like as a collective um, collective onlookers of the Ohio State football program, we've sort of overlooked Dewan Jones. And I think it's only reasonable 
because you look at the fact that he feels like he's probably more naturally an offensive tackle. And then you also look at the hype that Paris Johnson's received. And then you look at the fact that Harry Miller started last season. And then you look at the fact that Matthew Jones also started last season and, and, you know, a couple of games. And you think like, I'm not a hundred percent sure that Dewan Jones is going to wedge his way in. Like, I think it's pretty difficult to be honest at the same time. He's six foot eight, 360 pounds. And it's going to be a little difficult to say, hey, Dewan, go sit on the bench. We have five other guys who we think are better than you. And I think that that's the interesting thing to me because I think he's a little bit of a, I, I not think, he's definitely an underdog coming in. I don't know that he feels that way. And also, you know, we can talk about the hype of Paris Johnson. I can say that I really liked what Matt Jones did in limited capacity. And I think that Harry Miller's going to be really good. It's not like these guys are proven commodities. You know, Dewan Jones can walk in there, steamroll guys this spring, prove that he deserves to start, and 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 I think that that's a completely reasonable thing that can happen. I don't know if I mean I can sit here and say I'm I'm not going to predict that to happen, but I am very interested to to see what what kind of Dewan Jones um, Ohio State gets this spring. If I thought there was any possibility we would see Dewan lined up in a as a jumbo package tight end this spring. I, I would put him at number one on my board, but Completely uh, fair. saving that for the fall. Um, I'll tie in one of our questions here now, because we one of the questions we were asked this week by Seattle Lingo was, what recruit from the 2021 class intrigues you guys the most is why? And we can just tie it into here, because I'm guessing we'll, there's a good chance we're both going to pick a uh, freshman here. Uh, I'm going to pick one right now. If it's not going to be a surprise to anybody who listens to Real Pod oh, Wednesdays. Is it going to be a running back? I can't believe it. No, it's going to be a defensive end, and that's going to be Jack Sawyer because, uh, as I think people know, if you listen to Real Pod Wednesdays, I have very high expectations uh, for Jack Sawyer, and not necessarily that I think he's going to play a ton this year, but I'm just interested to see what he looks like that first time in an Ohio State uniform going through his first practices. It's been two years since he's played a football game. He did not play his senior season at Pickerington North. And, you know, he, he says, you know, if you, if you just look at him, he's clearly gotten a lot bigger, uh, a lot stronger. So I'm just intrigued to see, you know, what he looks like in his first college practices. And can he be a guy who can make an immediate impact for an Ohio state pass rush that needs some impact players to emerge this year? Yep. He's, he's a fascinating guy. You know, I was going to pick Trayvon Henderson, but to be honest, I feel like we've talked about him now for, um, an entire year. So I'm not going to have the 900th Travion Henderson conversation. I'm going to have a Taraja Mitchell conversation because he's so obviously the candidate to slide in either at weak side linebacker or middle linebacker. And at the same time, we just haven't seen a ton from him. Um, I would be blown away if he wasn't a starter. And at the same time, I don't really know how good Taraj Mitchell is. I really don't. I mean, sure, he came in with a great recruiting ranking, and that was a position coach ago and like three-plus years at this point. Um, and that's really difficult to to project what Taraj Mitchell will look like on the field this fall with without ever really seeing him in major um, meaningful snaps. Um, and I think that this spring is going to be really big for him and obviously the other the rest of the guys in the room. Um, whether it be Dallas Gantt, Craig Young, um, Tommy Eichenberg, uh, Cody Simon, Kayvon Pope. There are a lot of guys in there who I feel like we don't really know a lot about. But Taraj is the guy who was once really hyped up, and now it's his time. And it's been several years since since then, um, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. 
If you're not going to pick him, I will. I'll pick Travion Henderson because I'm really, I'm very intrigued to see if Travion Henderson can come in and have a J.K. Dobbins like ascent uh, and and come in in his first spring, make that immediate impact, climb the depth chart, and and make a push for that spot in the rotation uh, right away. Because I think he's that kind of talent. Um, I think you know he he's a guy who really has a potential to add a really big spark to Ohio State's offense. Uh, in year one. And I think, you know, based on what we see this spring is going to go a long way toward determining whether that's actually going to happen in the fall. We'll know a hundred percent. Like I, this is, this yeah, is I mean, one if of he looks that, pedestrian this spring, then he's probably not going to be in the rotation this fall. Yeah. This is one of the things that you never want to say anything with a hundred percent certainty when it comes to Ohio state football, I um, mean, projecting six months ahead. But if Traylon Henderson doesn't look great this spring, he's not going to look great in the fall. Uh, JK Dobbins, I mean, you heard it just the entire offseason. J.K. is going to be great. J.K. looks great. You heard it from everybody. And J.K. It turned out was great. So if we hear that again from Trayvon Henderson, guess what? That's probably going to happen. And if it doesn't happen this spring, then we can probably temper expectations a little bit. Um, you know, I could go a lot of different ways with this last pick. You know, I was thinking of Teron Vincent. Um, you know, he's someone who's, to me, who, who's really intriguing because, I mean, it's going to be, is this year four for him? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's year four for him. He's someone who played nearly a hundred snaps as a true freshman and just, you know, his career went sideways because of an injury. Um, Cade Stover to me is really interesting because he probably should be the backup tight end. And in this Ohio state offense, the backup tight ends get a lot of snaps. Um, And at the end of the day, I feel like I'm still going to stick with a freshman five-star guy because I want to see what a mega Ibuka looks like. Um, I don't really have, uh, I don't even, I, I clearly, cause now I just caught myself. I don't, I can't even pronounce his last name correctly. Abuka. It's Abuka, not Egbuka, which mm-hmm. I decided to say. Um, I don't really a hundred percent know where he fits in just because of, of the talent that Ohio state has in, in that room. And I think, you know, I almost went Jackson Smith and Jigba too, because I think that he's the kind of guy who maybe could supplant Jameson Williams for that starting spot. Um, that wouldn't be a total shock to me, but you know, Emeka is the number one wide receiver in the country. He's a top 10 overall recruit. He's one of the best recruits that, that Ohio State's ever had at the position. Um, and when he's walking into that talent-laden of a room, can he stand out and what does he do as a true freshman? If I, you know, I remember going to spring practices the last two years, the first day of spring practice. And two years ago, you know, who was that freshman who really stood out? It was Garrett Wilson. And one year ago, who was that freshman who really stood out? It was Jackson Smith and Jigba. So can Emeka Buka be the next guy in that wide receiver room who who comes in and you just immediately see this is a guy who can be a future star at Ohio State? I think when you're the number one receiver in the country, that's what you expect from a guy. So he's going to be really intriguing to watch. Yes. I mean, there are, there are a lot of guys on this list, and that's just the nature of having mm-hmm. two months off of seeing Ohio State play. The list, the list is essentially the entire roster. I also want to talk a little bit on this week's Real Pod Wednesdays about Justin Fields because I, I think the NFL draft conversation about Justin Fields has been interesting here the last couple of weeks. And you, you see, if you look at the mock drafts and you look at the, the rankings out there for the NFL draft, you know some people think Justin Fields is number two. Some people think he, he's he's right behind Trevor Lawrence, and they think you know the New York Jets should take him with the, the second pick in the draft. There's also a mock draft by NFL.com's Charlie Casserly last week that had Justin Fields going 24th to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I'll just say it straight up. I think that's patently ridiculous, the idea that Justin Fields would fall to the 24th pick in the NFL draft. I I don't think there's 
any chance that happens or comes even close to happening because all it takes is one team that needs a franchise quarterback to fall in love with them. And there's a lot of teams that need franchise quarterbacks this year. So if, if just to me, I'd be pretty shocked if Justin Fields falls outside of the top 10 in, in, in the NFL draft. And I think he, if it's me, if somebody's followed the NFL draft a long time, if it's me, he should be the number two pick, period. That's my opinion. I think, I think you can make a case for Zach Wilson, but to me, I think he should for sure be a, a top five pick in this draft. I think watching every game he played at Ohio State for the past two years, sure, he had some bad games. Uh, he, he, you know, against Indiana Northwestern this past season, those are the two that keep getting brought up. Those were bad games, and I do think it's fair to look at those games and 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 say, you know, there's things Justin Fields needs to get better at to succeed in the NFL. It's fair to not necessarily view him as a sure thing to succeed in the NFL, but man, I watch a game like he had against Clemson, and I think this guy is special. And if I was an NFL GM or head coach, I would absolutely be willing to bet my future on Justin Fields as a guy who can be a star quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see how that progresses. Um, and it's you know it's funny. Like we sat here not too long ago and said, I think Dwayne Haskins is going to be pretty good in the NFL. And I think both of us were pretty confident in that. And that's one of those things where I I don't know if you know it's it's it, it's really tough to project. But when you're looking at a guy like Justin Fields, he's as he's he's as solid as I've ever felt on on a quarterback, um, especially coming out of Ohio State. I, I understand what some of the reservations that, that people have about him because, I mean, they're things that we've all talked about. Like sometimes he takes too too many sacks. Sometimes, um, sometimes it feels like, um, you know, he's not a hundred percent sure where to go with the ball um, when after his after his early reads. And I like I think that that's just completely natural. I mean, he's a really young quarterback who still has time to develop, and and also like. He's playing for a system in, in a system for Ryan Day that, and I remember saying this even during his first year as a starter, like a lot of the throws are just easy. Like a lot of them, it's like Ryan Day just schemes up easier passes for, for Justin Fields than most. And I think that that's like, that's not a negative um, of him. That's just, that might make it a little bit of a tougher evaluation when he's used to having some of those. Um, but if you're going to bet on physical traits, there are, there's there there are worse bets in the world than to bet on Justin Fields and and even like you know some of the conversations centering around him is like a one read quarterback like, I don't really think that that's totally fair to him um, and I think also like the point has been made by several people like if you're a one read quarterback and your one read was Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave you might stick on that read a little bit longer than some other people you you make the point about Dwayne and it's it's very fair point because. I mean, I was, I mean, I, I'll absolutely say I was, I was very high on Dwayne as an NFL draft prospect. Was I that? thought he, I thought he was going to be an NF, a better NFL prospect than Kyler Murray. I, I was, I was wrong about that. Now, granted, I also think, you know, some of the reason why Dwayne's career has gone the way he, he has is not so much about the fact that he didn't have the talent to succeed, but it's that some of the poor decisions that he has made uh, in, in terms of the way that he's handled himself as an NFL quarterback. So uh, you know, I I, st- I still think if Dwayne, you know, does the things he needs to do uh, off the field, I still think he's got a chance to be a successful NFL quarterback going forward. But I also think Justin Fields is a clearly better prospect than 
Dwayne Haskins. And a lot of that starts with his athleticism, where I think you're seeing more and more of the NFL is going toward athletic quarterbacks. And, you know, for Dwayne, that was a clear weakness. He's just not a a guy who's got great mobility. He's not a running threat. Justin Fields is that while he's also an elite passer. I mean, you could, you know, to me, if you're, if you're talking about who's the better passer between Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields, you know, in terms of what they did at Ohio state, it's almost a toss up, but I might lean slightly toward Justin. I mean, I think, I think Justin is that good. I think he's that talented. And so I, 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 you know, I don't think it's fair for people to, to just say, well, Dwayne Haskins didn't succeed at Ohio state and other Ohio state quarterbacks haven't succeeded in the NFL. So, you know, that means Justin's not going to succeed either. You know, I, I think that's an oversimplification. And honestly, it honestly, it reminds me of another quarterback I covered about four years ago and that's Deshaun Watson. And he was a guy I was, you know, just as flummoxed then that, you know, they were talking about Mitch Trubisky as the number two overall pick and, and Deshaun Watson doesn't even go in the top 10 because Deshaun Watson's a guy I watched every game he played for two years and he was phenomenal. And a lot of the points that were being made about Deshaun then are the same points that are being made about Justin now that he's coming from a a team that hadn't produced successful NFL quarterbacks is that the offense he was in might not translate to the NFL. But when you're a special talent, which I believe Justin is, and I believe uh, Deshaun was too, uh, Ultimately, you're going to make it work. And I think the other point, too, that I, I always go back to with Justin, it's a little bit cliche, but I really do believe it in this case, is I think this is a guy who is going to do all the right things at the next level. I, I have absolutely zero questions about his dedication to football and about being the best possible quarterback he can be. And so I think, you know, those questions you might have had with Dwayne, I don't think you have any of those questions with Justin. And I mean, the guy's tough. I mean, you saw it in that Clemson game with the injury he had. I mean, this guy is tough. This guy uh, is a hell of a competitor. And I think that means something as an NFL franchise quarterback, that this is a guy who we saw it in his two years at Ohio State. Teammates rallied around him. They believed in him intensely. and, And he made the team better, not just with his physical ability, but also with his leadership ability. And I believe he's going to be able to do the same thing in an NFL locker room. When you were talking about their athleticism, the only thing I could think of is Justin Fields as an athlete is what Stephen A. thought Dwayne was. I was thinking That's about the Stephen A. The only thing too. I could think of at that at that time. But you know, I I mean, I I agree with just about everything you say. I I think it's I think projecting quarterbacks is 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 one of the most difficult things in the world. And at the same time. If it turns out Justin Fields is bad, like I'm just going to throw in the towel. I got no idea if Justin if Justin Fields it turns out can't play quarterback in the NFL. I don't know what I'm looking at, and I will and I will be an apologist for any NFL evaluator that gets it wrong because Justin Fields, like, how could Justin Fields be bad? Like, I don't even understand. I don't even understand how that could happen. And and I don't know. He to me, he's the total package. Um, if 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 the, if the thing that people are glomming onto is like the the one read part of it, like that to me is such a small thing in the grand picture of of, of what Justin Fields is as a quarterback prospect at the next level. So, you know, luckily, the, as as each day passes, we get one day closer to the draft and one day fewer that we have to read bad NFL draft takes. One final question before. We jump off here. Uh, Z list asked us, he said, what sports do you think are on Gene Smith's chopping block? And, you know, this coming after last week, 
that, you know, Ohio State, you know, he, he had a conference call and, and he said that, you know, Ohio State is facing a 60 to $70 million uh, deficit uh, for, you know, coming out of this past year of the COVID-19 pandemic and not having any fans at, at football games. Uh, certainly, you know, that making an impact in terms of some budget cuts. But, you know, truthfully, to answer your question, I think the answer is none. I really don't think uh, Ohio State has any plans to, to cut any sports. I think as long as we have a relatively normal 2021 here where fans are back in the stands at Ohio Stadium and there seems to be good momentum uh, toward that happening this year, I think Ohio State's going to be able to withstand this without cutting any sports. And I really don't think Ohio State wants to cut any sports. So that can always change. Uh, it's certainly not out of a question that that could change if Ohio State uh, just determines that it cannot afford to continue funding 36 sports. But I really believe that, you know, that would be a last resort. But Ohio State is only going to go that route if, if it simply becomes impossible for Ohio State to continue to have a self-sustaining athletic department with 36 varsity sports. And also that won't happen. So if they cut a sport, it'll simply because they just decide to cut a sport. They'll always have the money. If you're Ohio State, you'll always have the money. Um, and, you know, maybe they do come to a point where they decide that's too many. Um, and sure, they're a big institution, but at the same time, you don't need 36 sports. And, and maybe they do come to that decision at some point, but it won't really be because of the money. It'll be because they just decide that they don't want to. Well, thanks again for listening in to this week's episode of Real Pod Wednesdays. I hope you all enjoyed the uh, basketball and football conversation here on this week's show. And we'll talk to you again next week.